All right, if you have a Bible, we're going to look at Psalm 121 this morning. Uh, thank you to the elders for the opportunity, the invitation to preach for you today. Uh, this is a, a psalm, one of my favorite psalms, a psalm about um, uh, being in need of God's help and, and how God provides help to his people. So this is God's word. Let's give our attention to it. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go to God this morning once again asking for his help. Gracious Father, thank you so much for that you are a God who speaks to us and that you have spoken, that you continue to speak to us through your word. So we ask this morning as we gather around Psalm 121 that you would um, do what you do, that you would speak to us from it, O Lord, that you would write the eternal truths of this passage on our hearts, that you would show us the Lord Jesus, that you would, um, that, that I pray the Lord that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight as we give our attention to your word today. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. So last winter, we were living in Cookville, Tennessee, uh, still, and uh, we got about a five-inch snow that came very suddenly, and uh, that was unusual for Cookville. And we, uh, my va- minivan was parked in the back of my, the, we had a little back driveway that was kind of steep, and I was trying to get my minivan out of this snowy driveway, <clears throat> and I had a problem, though. My tires were a little bit bald. I should have I replaced them before, my dad would have told me I should have replaced them before the, uh, the winter, but I didn't. So I'm spinning out, <coughs> excuse me, I'm spinning out of my driveway. I can't make any, any progress. I'm almost to the top of the little hill to get turned into the road, but I can't make it. And here comes this big truck, these big old tires, and this guy, you know, the lift kit, whatever. <coughs> He's got a big hitch on the front. And he stops, and he rolls his window down. Hey, man, you need some help? And I said, no, sir, I don't need any help. I'm fine. And um, the truth is I did need help. And the truth is my van sat in, that, in the driveway in that exact spot for like four days until the, the snow melted. So, but why do we do that? Why do we find ourselves in situations sometimes where we need help and we know that we need help, but we, and we're offered help and we refuse it? <clears throat> um, I think we avoid it perhaps because it makes us feel weak. It makes us feel incompetent. It makes us feel like a burden to other people. We don't want to do that. And so we don't want to feel those things, and so we refuse help even when it's offered, even when we know that we need it. But part of what I love about Psalm 121 is that it begins with the assumption that you and I are going to need help, right? It's just built into the very first verse. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? The question is not, am I going to find myself in a situation where I need help? The question is, where's my help going to come from? I know I'm going to need help. Who's going to help me? Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascent. It's a psalm that the Israelites would sing as they journeyed to Jerusalem multiple times every year for religious festivals at the temple. And <clears throat> many believed that they would sing these psalms as they walked along, as they traveled. And you could imagine the various problems that they might have encountered on these journeys. There could be robbers lying in wait. There could be wild animals. There could be just injuries that happen along the, the course of the road, harsh weather. In a similar way, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, if you are in Christ, you are on a journey. You are on a journey in this life to the new Jerusalem, to your heavenly home, the place where your citizenship uh, rests. 
And we are going to need help on this journey. Uh, we are going to need help. We should live with that certainty. <clears throat> Maybe this morning you need help in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling to understand and communicate with your spouse. Maybe you need help as you raise children, as you find yourself exhausted and frustrated and then feeling guilty that you feel exhausted and frustrated by your kids. Maybe you're uh, someone who has adult children and, and you're grieving because they seem to have walked away from the faith. Maybe you're, you find you're, you're, you need help as you face infertility or as you struggle in a job that you hate or maybe you're fa facing financial pressures and you don't really see how the, the, what's the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one or a, a diagnosis that you've gotten from a doctor or struggling with chronic, some kind of chronic pain, chronic uh, illness. Maybe you're struggling with sin this morning. There's a sin that you know you need to mortify. You know you need to kill in your life, but you're having a hard time letting it go. Or perhaps you're wrestling with doubt. I don't know what problems you brought in with you this morning, but what, whatever your exact circumstances may be, the question that our psalm poses this morning is, as you face this thing in your life, where is your help going to come from? And the answer the psalm provides for us is that our help comes from God, our Creator and our Redeemer. So just two points this morning, two things I want us to see from this passage, that we, why we should look to God for help. We look to God for help because, number one, He watches over us, and number two, He keeps us. Right? He watches over us and he keeps us. So let's think about how he watches, he keep, he, sorry, let's think about how he watches over us for a moment here. So, <clears throat> you know, sometimes when a person, you know, you, you're, you're walking, maybe you're walking in, the, in, in a dark room at night or you're, you're out in the backyard doing something, take, you're taking the trash out or something like that, and you get that, that like prickly feeling and you're, you're, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and but you say, oh man, you know, like I just feel like someone's watching me, right? We, we don't like that feeling of someone Who's someone that I can't see who's watching me? That's a very troubling, disturbing thought. And yet, uh, that's exactly what the psalm is telling us, right? That someone we can't see, namely God, is watching us. And it's, it's meant to be a comfort and an encouragement to us. Why is that? Well, because God's watching over us is not malicious. His watching over us is, is not nefarious. It's, it's motivated by his love for us, right? It's the difference between a stranger watching you in the dark versus a parent who's watching their child sleep in the crib or a parent watching their child play on a playground. Um, it's a look of love, right? And so notice throughout this psalm that, the, that God is watching us. He's aware what's going on in our lives. He is near to us. He's involved. I mean, the psalmist writes this, he will not let your foot be moved. He will be your shade on your right hand like he's near to you. He's watching over you. He's caring for you. And it's so beautiful how the psalmist drives this point home by reminding us three times in Psalm 121 that the Lord doesn't sleep or slumber. I love this, right? It's sort of a weird thing for the psalmist to say if you think about it. But I've always been amazed that in the Psalms how God connects, how, how the psalmists often connect God's provision with our ability to sleep. Here's just one example from Psalm 4 verse 8. Uh, the psalmist writes, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I can lie down and sleep peacefully and be safe because the Lord is watching over me, right? He doesn't sleep. I, I can sleep because he doesn't. These verses are a comfort to those of us who may have spent a restless night staring at the ceiling, unable to sleep because you're, you're churning with worry or fear about something. But one way that we know God loves us <coughs> excuse me, is that he, pr he gives us sleep. He promises to watch over us all the time. I mean, verse 6 tells us, <coughs> excuse me, 
verse 6 tells us that he will keep watch over us uh, during the day and during the night. <coughs> That's something to go down the wrong pipe there. Um, <coughs> he will keep watch over us during the day and during the night. Verse 8 tells us that he's going to keep, keep us in our going out and our coming in. This is a common feature in Old Testament poetry. <coughs> to mention that two contrasting things, right, are going out and are coming in to show us that God's watching us and his care for us is true in these two extremes, but also true in all the moments in between. So all the time, whatever it is that we're doing, God is watching over us. This psalm has in view the totality of your life, every experience of our lives. Whatever we need help, he is available. He is ready. He is here. He's watching. And this reminds us that, that God is never off the clock, Right? That God is never unaware of what we're experiencing. That in the dead of night, whether you're sleeping peacefully or whether you're anxiously tossing and turning, God is awake. That God is with you. God is there. He sees you. He's watching and keeping you. This is a helpful reminder because if we're honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like God is watching, right? Sometimes it, it feels like God is asleep. Sometimes it feels like God is unaware of, of the things that we're going through. He's unaware of, of the pain and the struggles that we seem to be, that we're facing. It seems like he's unaware, right? But the psalmist reminds us this is not the case, that God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber, that he's awake all the time, and he's, he's there always watching us. So if the Lord doesn't sleep, that means you and I can't sleep, right? That we can rest because God is keeping watch over us by day and by night. There's a Christian writer named Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote a book titled Prayer in the Night, and in that book, she describes a really difficult season of her life, which, incidentally, she moved to Pittsburgh, okay? Thankfully, this didn't happen to us, but she moved to Pittsburgh. She experienced two fairly traumatic miscarriages, uh, where she, one in which she almost died. Her father died just a few days after she moved to Pittsburgh. Her father died back in Texas, very unexpectedly, and she wrote about how nighttime became very difficult for her, and here's what she writes in the book. She says, at night, I feel alone, even in a house full of sleeping bodies. I feel small and mortal. The darkness of nighttime amplifies grief and anxiety. I'm reminded with the setting of the sun that our days are numbered and full of big and little losses. We are so very, very vulnerable. There can be something difficult about night. But she found help in, by remembering um, that God doesn't sleep and by praying prayers that are very similar to Psalm 121, prayers that remind us that all through the night God is keeping watch God is taking care. God is, 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 is soothing the sick and, and, or healing the sick and soothing the, the weary, um, giving rest to the weary, soothing the afflicted, um, shielding the joyous, and he's doing it because he loves us. And psalm 121 is a perfect psalm to pray in a situation like that. If you find yourself on a sleepless night, um, tossing and turning, Psalm 121 is exactly the sort of thing that we can pray um, to remind us of God's care for us and his watch over us. The second thing I want to see this morning is uh, that God keeps us. Um, when you read through these eight verses, there's one word that's repeated six times. The word is keep or keeper, right? In the ESV, at least. That he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord, he will keep your life. He will keep your going out and your coming in. This is the same Hebrew word used all throughout this, this passage, all eight verses. Um, this, is the, the, this is actually a word that was used way back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, 
when Cain has murdered his brother Abel, as you may remember, and God approaches Cain, <clears throat> and God asks Cain, where is your brother? And this is, even if you didn't grow up in the church or not familiar with the Bible, this is a verse that sort of entered the uh, cultural lexicon. Cain says, I don't know where Abel is. Am I my brother's keeper? And what, <clears throat> what Cain is trying to do there is Cain is saying, am I my brother's guardian? Right? Is it my responsibility to, to take care of Abel and to know where he is? Is it my job to watch over Abel and to, and to make sure that he's well? <clears throat> Cain is trying to distance himself from Abel. Cain is trying to distance himself from having any obligation whatsoever over Abel's well-being. But here in Psalm 121, we're told that's exactly what God is doing for his people, right? He is our keeper. The thing that Cain did not want to do for Abel, God wants to do for us. He wants to be our guardian. He is our guardian. He is the one who watches over us and takes care of us. He takes responsibility for us. And God is happy and willing to be our keeper. That's what he signs up to be as our God. That's what he signs up to be for his people. He is our keeper. A little over two years ago, almost, almost three years ago <coughs> now, uh, my family, we adopted or we bought uh, a new dog, a sheepadoodle, uh, half old English sheepdog, half poodle, named Jorby. <coughs> and I'll admit that like many parents, I was a little reluctant to get this dog. Uh, still a little reluctant. Um, and because I'm thinking as we get this dog, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to have to take care of this animal, and we're going to have to clean up after this animal. And I, I love dogs. I'm a, I'm a dog person. But, you know, I'm thinking about we're going to have to take this dog on walks. We're going to have to pay tons of money to a vet to, like, give him shots and take care of him and keep him healthy. And then he's going to live for 10 or 15 years, and he's going to die, and I'll be emotionally devastated, right? Like, that just seems like a lot to sign up for. That just seems like a lot to, 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 to inv you know, to, to put myself through. It's a big commitment. But here's what I was really wrestling with. As I'm, we did get the dog, by the way. But uh, here's what I'm really wrestling with in that moment: Do I want to be this dog's keeper? Am I willing to take on all of the obligations and all of the responsibilities that, and all of the expenses which are entailed in, in being the dog's keeper? But here's what Psalm 121 says to us this morning: That God says yes to being your keeper. And if we're honest, our lives are far messier than that of any dog or that of any pet. And God says, I will be your keeper. And our problems are far more complicated. Our needs are far greater than that of any animal. And God says, I will be your keeper from now and forevermore. And when it comes to a family dog, we know as parents that as the time passes, this pet is going to start to feel like a chore, right? When you're like, okay, who fed the dog this morning? Did anyone take the dog out? You know, the dog, the dog starts to feel like a chore to the family, to the kids. But Psalm 121 is saying that you will never become a chore to God. That he will never be bored with you. He will never grow tired and weary of being your keeper. That he's so committed to being your keeper, he will not even sleep or slumber. He doesn't need to. He will be your keeper for this time forth and forevermore around the clock. This is a sweet reminder to that exhausted parent who feels like their entire life is taking care of kids and they wonder, who's going to take care of me? And the Bible says... Jesus will. Or to that person who is mourning, that person who's wrestling with marital issues or sin struggles or mental health struggles, the Lord is your keeper in the midst of that. He will guard and preserve you. This is good news for those of you who may be caring for an elderly parent. 
And those of you who may be in a helping profession and you feel like you're constantly giving, 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 but you feel like no one's really watching over you, taking care of you. Psalm 121 reminds us that, yes, someone is, the Lord. The Lord is taking care of you. So ultimately what Psalm 121 offers us is comfort, calm, and peace in the life, in the midst of life's difficult journey. But as, as comforting as it can be, this psalm can also raise some questions for us, right? If God is my keeper, and God doesn't slumber or sleep, and he's my keeper now and forevermore, then why do I suffer? Then why did that bad thing happen to me? That, why did that bomb go off in my life, you know, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Why did that thing happen to me? And, I mean, even in verse 7, no, maybe some of you have been thinking about this. Look at verse 7 in our passage. It says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And maybe as I've been talking this morning, some of you are thinking, I certainly feel like I've experienced some evil. I certainly feel like there's been some evil that's, that's, that's touched my life. Evil things have happened to me. The Bible is not saying that bad things won't happen to us, right? Bad things certainly happen all the time. Flat tires, broken transmissions in our, in our car, sickness, loss of a job cancer, death, broken relationships, financial troubles, natural disasters. Jesus never promises us that our lives are going to be free of those things. And, and if you expect that, you're going to be very disappointed. It's going to be very difficult. But because God is watching and keeping you, evil will never have the final word in your life. Right? When, whatever evil has come upon you, I don't, I don't know the stories in this room of, your, of, of the lives of people. But whatever evil has come upon you, it doesn't have to define you. If you are in Christ, there is no evil that can come into your life that can separate you from his love. And in his love, you get a new identity, right? You are a new creation. When you are in Christ, when you are trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus by faith alone, the, the truest thing about you is not what suffering and evil has happened to you. The truest thing about you is that you are a child of God. You are a beloved and holy child of God. You are the beloved of Christ. I love Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, where the Apostle Paul writes these words, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Evil things are going to happen to me, to you, to all of us. We can ask anybody in this room, but none of, none of it has the power to separate you from the love of Jesus. That's what it means for the Lord to be your keeper. That all of, and all of our questions and all of our heartache about suffering and about evil, they, it will always ultimately lead us back to the cross of Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross is the most evil, the most unjust event of human history. A truly innocent man dying in the place of sinners like us. And yet it's Jesus' suffering, it's his death, which purchases salvation and makes us new creations. All of the promises of the Bible, including Psalm 121, all of these promises find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ and what and who he is and what he's done. Guaranteed by the resurrection. That, that is the guarantee that all of these things are true, that he is the Messiah. He is who he said he is, and all of the promises find their yes in him. Psalm 121 is calling us and inviting us to meditate on the goodness of God and on the protection and the provision uh, and the preservation that can only be found in life with Jesus. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
is the one who watches over us and preserves us from this time forth and forevermore. And this psalm is preparing us for the journey of life ahead, right? The journey as you and I are headed to the promised land, as we are on our journey headed to the new Jerusalem. This psalm is preparing us for that journey, a journey which, in which we'll see and experience many beautiful things and many difficult things, many hard things. But this psalm promises us that that evil will not have the final word in your story, that one day evil will be done away with. One day every tear will be wiped away, and we will delight forever in the mercy, the love, and the grace of our keeper, the Lord Jesus. So I don't know where in your life you need help right now, whether it's in your marriage or in, in other, some other area. I don't know what anxious thoughts are, are keeping you awake at night. I don't know what fears may be creeping at the edges of your heart this morning. I don't know all the painful and sorrowful wounds that you carry with you from your past each and every day. But Jesus does know all those things. He knows all of that about you and about me. And this morning, Jesus invites us into life with him, into a life of faith, a life of joy, a life of love, a life of abundance. And Jesus promises to watch over you and to keep you from this time forth and forever. Brothers and sisters, lift up your eyes. From where does your help come? From, from where does your help come? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord who is your keeper from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer once again. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you, that you watch over us, that you keep us, that you love us. <clears throat> thank you so much for the love of Jesus, which um, sent him to the cross, that sent him to the grave from which he rose. And the, but his love also sent him um, to purchase us, to save us. And Lord, we, I pray for, for all of us here this morning that we would respond to that love, we would respond to that invitation, that we would know the Lord Jesus, that we would know what it means to be his, to belong to him, to have him as our watcher and our keeper, that we would uh, carry that, that encouragement, that comfort into whatever problems we may be facing right now, whatever problems we may face in the journey of life. Lord, uh, we thank you for your kindness, your provision, your protection, your watchfulness, your care. Thank you for keeping us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This time I'll ask you to stand up as